Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Thinking Christian. I'm excited to have uh, a friend and former colleague here, Craig Hendrickson, with me. Uh, Craig is the newly minted president of Aero Leadership, um, uh, begins officially full-time January 2nd. And so welcome, Craig. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, you know, maybe maybe start, you know, back uh, when you were getting out of football. I know you were in football and getting into ministry and that kind of thing. And uh, and then we'll we'll dive in and talk a little bit about Arrow and leadership and, and just cover as much as we can. Sure. Sounds good. Thanks, James. Um, thanks for having me on. Excited about this. Um, yeah, I, uh, I'm excited. You know, new, new, new transition into a new role come in January 2nd as a, <laughs> as, as we were talking, that transition has been ongoing, trying to, trying to juggle one foot in one at, at Moody in my current role, uh, finishing up as a, as a professor and, and then getting ready to, to really dive in. Um, cool. my, my journey with Arrow really kind of goes back to the beginning of my ministry. As you mentioned, I, I was yeah. playing professional football in Canada for 11 years. I was doing seminary, uh, my MDiv while I was there at Regent College up in Canada, um, getting ready because I knew I was going into ministry. Um, like a lot of young guys, you know, I wasn't, I guess I wasn't young, but I was younger than now <laughs> where I'm feeling kind of old. Um, it's all relative, I, right? Uh, yeah. You know, I, I was in my upper twenties when I started seminary there. And okay. I, by the time I retired and graduated, I was 32, 33 years old. I was just finishing my career. I, I had been hired to go down to Long Beach, California as an assistant pastor on a staff excited and and like a lot of younger guys i came in thinking i got this right i i i'm ready i'm 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 a leader right i'm a i'm an influencer of people and uh i got the position I, it's it's good to go absolutely right and so so i started my journey in in vocational ministry around 2000 kind of doing part-time stuff while i was playing and that full-time role started january 2002 um came in man probably within eight months, I was ready to quit. All right. I was, it was, <laughs> it was not what I expected. And, and everything was my senior pastor's fault. Right. Yeah. I mean, obviously, obviously, because, yeah. because I was a leader and, and it was not my problem. <laughs> it's like, if this guy could just get on board and, and figure out that I know what I'm doing, it'd be great. Right. So eight months in, I'm, I'm ready to quit. I'm, I'm miserable. I'm thinking, what the heck have I signed up for? This is, you know, I'm when I, when I got into ministry, it was all, I was just thinking, man, I'm just, people are coming to Jesus every day and, and uh, I'm going to be transforming lives and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, and there was some good stuff happening, you know, in the, in the ministry, but um, it was not quite going the way I expected. And so it was right around that time I'd been talking to this, this group on the recommendation of a friend called Arrow Leadership that okay. as I finished seminary, this was a mentor of mine who'd actually funded my seminary education. He he was key in leading me to Christ. Uh, we'd had a mentoring relationship for years. He said, hey, we're thinking of getting involved with this, this, this leadership ministry. Wondering if you'd like to do this. And if you want to go, I'll pay for it. I just want, we want to see what it's like. Is it effective? And I'm sitting there going like, oh, well, I mean, yeah, why not? Right. I'm, I'm not, and I'm not really thinking much of it. I, I I'm just, it's kind of like can't hurt, you know, and I, I'm not sure what I'm going to learn. I'm, I'm already a good leader, but you know, I'm but sure. <laughs> and, and so when I hit that eight month wall I'm, and I'm, I'm getting ready to get into arrow and I'm thinking, Oh man, I get to arrow. And that was the beginning of the transformation of me, not just as a leader, but as a person, right? Uh, yeah. Arrow 
um, the process starts with 360 degree feedback. And as I got the feedback, right, I start to realize, oh my gosh, <laughs> right? Maybe it's not my, my senior <laughs> pastor. Maybe it's, maybe it's me. Maybe I need to grow. Maybe I need to improve. And so that was the beginning of a journey for me, a, a, an ongoing journey of, of self-development as a leader, uh, to grow as a leader, to become more aware of some of the things that I was getting in my own way, right, as, as I was trying to lead yeah. people. And that journey started. And I, that arrow experience, which lasted over the next two years, is really what oh, wow. it, it really shaped, kept me in ministry and shaped me moving forward in some new ways, right? Yeah. The Arrow program's adapted a little since then. It's not quite the same as it was when I went through. Uh, still a lot of similar principles. But that journey in community with some other leaders um, and with mentors pouring into me really helped me to see where I needed to grow. And that that shaped me. And so as I finished my role, I, Arrow kept me in that role, kind of helped, helped me stay in that role for a couple more years. I stayed in that in that role in that church for four years. I then joined a group back then called Church Resource Ministries. Now it's called Novo. And that was another transformational experience for me. We became really leadership coach, consultant, and and trainers um, for urban leaders uh, in areas that I was really passionate about, multi-ethnic ministry and missional, missional ministry, right? How do we engage cool. our communities intentionally with, with God at the center and helping them to have these transformational experiences? Um, I spent the next six years with them really refining my, my approach to leadership, but it was a funded position. And, you know, right in the middle of that experience, uh, 2008 came along. <laughs> and uh, 2008, if you remember, wasn't exactly a fun year financially, uh, especially no. for the next few years, right? Yeah. And so yeah. as as home-based missionaries, woof, we lost our, I mean, we lost 80% of our funding within a six-month okay. period. And, wow. and it was a rough couple wow. years for us. That eventually led me back into the pastorate. I became a senior pastor for a few years. Um, started to, at the time I was continuing, I'd finished Arrow. I actually now was doing a THM uh, and a PhD. And with Arrow, we have these academic partnerships with certain institutions. And so I started okay. taking advantage of some of that. And so I kept doing my, my education, knew that at some point I wanted to at least teach, maybe do some things in, in the academy, but that for the time being, just love developing. And so I was doing these programs, I was pastoring. This eventually led us on our journey back to Chicago. Um, yeah. Chicago is where I got into higher ed, first at North Park, doing some things with staff, adjuncting, but doing campus ministry. And then eventually at Moody, where um, I became, uh, right now, my role is Associate Professor of Missional Leadership. I oversee that program and uh, have been here for now almost eight years, um, basically teaching different aspects of leadership, intercultural leadership, missional leadership, and different elements at, at Moody with my students in my program and, and a few others. And so that's kind of the, 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 the little, little roundabout way of kind of bringing us to where we are now at this stage where now I'm kind of going full circle back, getting ready yeah. to just roll back into arrow. So I'm actually really excited about it. I bet. Well, let me, I'll circle back around to a few uh, little questions. You said uh, you were with arrow for two years. Um, yeah. You know, is that the normal kind of time cycle for the leadership coaching? Yeah, so like right now, the way we've ad adapted Arrow over the years, uh, over the last 15 or so, as I mentioned to you before, I've stayed involved as a trainer and as a leadership coach with Arrow, doing yep. certain certain aspects, investing in, in younger leaders, because I, I have such a had such a value for the program, still do, obviously. Um, it started as a, as a mentoring cohort-based program where we would get together with 25 
24, 25 in our group, in our cohort. Okay. And we would start the journey with assessment. We would then go for six, uh, for a, a one week, re- we called it residential. It's called an intensive now where we're there on site, kind of like doing a doctor of ministry, right? Where yeah, yeah. we go, we fly up wherever location we're in, kind of a, a, a retreat center where it was a get away from the tyranny, the urgent kind of, kind of experience, connect yeah. with other leaders. And we'd be there learning different content, meeting with our mentor, meeting with our peer group that would mentor, do peer mentoring and kind of different levels of mentoring. Six months later, you go to another one. And so these one week okay. intensives basically happen every six months over a two year period. So it, nice. it really worked out okay. to a little over a year and a half. We've shifted that now just with the needs of, of where we are, changes in the culture, uh, just a, a whole lot of things where we now have three intensives. Instead of four, okay. so the program's a little shorter. It, it lasts from start to finish, between a year, year and a half. When you when you kind of wage in that first one, then six months and six months, right? With right, a right. little bit of pre work, a little bit of post work, it works out to about a year and a half. Uh, it's an intensive program that is designed really to to hit three areas of what how we frame our mission. That's to help uh, develop Jesus centered leaders. That's the heart of what we do. Uh, and what we define as that is is helping leaders to become more led by Jesus so that they can lead more like Jesus and ultimately nice. lead more to Jesus, right? So we've got this yeah. led by, lead more like, lead more to is is kind of the, the heart of who we are and what we believe a Jesus-centered leader is. And cool. so all of the curriculum, the mentoring, uh, the feedback, everything we do is designed to strengthen all three of those areas in a leader's life so that they nice. can be more led by Jesus, lead more like Jesus, lead more to Jesus. Right. And that's, yeah, that's, yeah. that's what we do. That's the heart of it. Very cool. Yeah. I, you know, I don't, I don't know that, you know, it's, I, I did my story with leadership is very similar to yours. Um, yeah. You know, I, th- I have a feeling a lot of people have this, right. You finish a degree or you hop into a new profession and you get thrown into a position. Right. Yeah. And, and that position has uh, authority and responsibility and yep. so you think that you're in that position. So you must have authority and responsibility. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and, and you know exactly how to exercise all that. And yep. uh, so, yeah, I went through a year's worth of executive training, uh, executive yeah, leadership yeah. training with a, a lady in Chicago, um, Catherine Tack, who's fantastic. Um, but uh, she started with the 360 as well. And so... Do you all still, does the, the arrow still do 360 is the, at the beginning of that, when you say assessment, yep. like that's right. what Absolutely. it is, is that 360? We'll, we'll, yep, we do. We do the 360. The 360 involves some, like we use the Berkman. We use a couple okay. of those type of assessments, what we call our ALP leadership assessment and a couple of other things. But then okay. we get the feedback from who you're leading, who who are you, who's supervising you, uh, who are your peers at the job. So we're getting that 360 degree feedback from your from your work environment to give feedback on top of the assessments to get a good sense of what are your strengths, what are your weaknesses, where do you need to grow. And yeah. then you put together the heart of the Aero Leadership Development Program is actually putting together uh, what we call a leading me plan or a leadership development plan where you yeah. choose two or three uh, learning objectives in in certain areas of your personal development that could be skills, character, spiritual, relational, uh, and that's going to serve and drive you for the entire year, year and a half you're in the program, right? And so, nice as you ch- as you go, those goals they are based out of what you heard in that 360. Yeah, that's very cool. I I found the 360 to be sort of enlightening. Um, yeah. oh, I think yeah. I don't know that why I you know I don't know that I really felt like I had nothing to change but I would yep. have identified the way wrong things, right? <laughs> like I, I, I just wouldn't have thought ever 
what other people thought about me. I was like, oh, really? Okay, well, that's fine. Yeah. And so yeah. it was it was super helpful. So, I mean, I love that you guys start there. I mean, I, I've been teaching this class uh, for Wheaton College, um, yeah. Biblical Foundations for Leadership, right. uh, which is yeah. kind of interesting. And so, um, you know, obviously it's more of a traditional higher ed kind of class. There's not a lot mm -hmm. of mentoring and that kind of stuff. But I was able to uh, have about a, uh, two full days with the students in class, mm -hmm. which was awesome. Yep. And uh, it's like, you know, you develop the content for a course. You kind of know how this goes, right? Yep. <laughs> you develop the content. You're having them read books. You're, you know, you're doing the normal academic stuff. And then you hit the classroom and they have like all these questions. Oh, yeah. um, and it was actually pretty fantastic. But I guess I'm wondering, you know, when you think about that part of how do you be like Jesus, right? Yep. What sort of foundations do you all start with? Where do you where do you really begin with that? I mean, is it... Uh, you know, sort of a biblical principle sort of approach? Do you look at it from, um, you know, specifically in Jesus's life? Like, where do you start people off with that kind of thing? Yeah, so I'd say that what we try to do is, is really kind of a holistic approach. Everything okay. we do is anchored in really the leadership of Jesus, right, as our exemplar. Now, yeah. we, we pull in other scriptures, obviously, and stories yeah. of how Jesus transformed people. And you can see Peter, how he changed, right? He he grew from this sort of arrogant, brash, going to rush in, not always thinking through, right, to, to being yeah. transformed and, for, you know, forgiven, right, and then really restored and moves into a whole more effective level of leadership. So, you know, we'll pull in other scriptures, obviously, as well. But we we really do believe that Jesus is the example of the greatest leader who ever lived. Right. And that if we really learn from some of the ways he engaged and encountered people, um, that, that that can really serve as a foundation for all that we do, which is why we frame our mission statement around these three ideas, right. Being yeah. led more by him, lead more like him and lead more to him. Yeah. And so we will have, uh, when we have our content, so to speak, when we're at the intensives, we, we have, let's say we, we get there Tuesday night, there's some social time Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, uh, for example, th those are going to be three days of, of different types of content on different topics we feel are important that are around those three areas of investment. And okay. we're going to pull in biblical narratives to reflect on. Uh, there, there may be days we work on where we send students out to participants actually out to to do some uh, scripture meditation on certain encounters Jesus has with people to reflect on leadership practice and, nice. and their own or other types of things that we do. Right. So so what we do is a mix of instruction with reflection, with biblical reflection, uh, the feedback and all of those things. And so I think that, you know, leadership development itself is, it's essential as Christian leaders. If you believe that a Christian leader's goal is to influence or lead people toward God's preferred future or vision for those people, you know, at that time, right? If it's it's yeah. about moving yeah. people closer to where he envisions them to be, where he wants us to be together collectively, right? Right. Well, um, most of us would say when you when you talk to the average person in, in the church or in your organization or whatever, it's like, yeah, we want to be here. Oh, yeah, we value this, right? But you know, uh, you've spent enough time to know that with organizations and individuals, we have these things called values, right? And sometimes our preferred values right who we want to be who we think we are who we you know what we say we were about yeah. don't line up with our lived values right we got we have this yeah. gap that that is just wide sometimes we say we're right. about encouraging or loving so for me like i get my 360 feedback right and i say oh i'm an, i'm an encourager right well 
I was raised in a way where the favorite mantra was suck it up. Right. And, and, and very encouraging. You've done your job. It goes without saying, but the Bible has changed so many lives. Take a second and think about it. If you didn't have access to a Bible or were even allowed to have one, this is a reality that many are facing. That's why I want to tell you about one of our partners, crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing a Bible in their own language. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my book, Christian Resistance. Simply text THINKING to 71326 to help today. That's T-H-I-N-K-I-N-G or visit give.crew.org backslash thinking. Again, that's give.cru.org backslash thinking. Message and data rates may apply. Available to U.S. addresses only. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Right now, move on to the next. And so so my envision of encouragement was like, boom, somebody gets their job done. It's like, okay, great. What's next, right? Um, let's, let's go. <laughs> and so... I think I'm an encouraging leader because I'm not a discouraging leader, right? But right, right. Get the 360 feedback. And back then we were using, um, one of the assessments we used was um, Kuz's and Posner's, you know, leadership challenge. And they have a, yep. they have an assessment off their five areas. And one of them is leader is encourager. And so I get the graph that has two lines and my graph is like here, here you know, they're kind of going like this for the most part, you know, they're really close. And then we get to encouragement. It goes like this. <laughs> and I score myself in the 90th percentile and my, and, and those I'm in my feedback, they score me in the 10th percentile. Yikes. And that was that moment where I just kind of went, <laughs> right. What the yeah. jaw hits the floor. I'm literally shattered. Right. I'm just like, Oh my gosh. They think I'm all just this going. Yeah. All this going through your head. It's like, how do they yeah. not know what encouragement is? Right. What's going on? No. <laughs> I mean, Oh my gosh. You know what I'm saying? So, and so, that's where I realized, okay, I, who I think I am may not fully be lining up with who I actually am. And and yeah. I need some work on this. And that forms part of my plan, right? Yeah, and yeah. I spent a bunch of time as part of that, actually meditating on passages of scripture, both in Jesus's life and, and certain ones from Paul, where it really was about him encouraging or engaging with people in life-giving ways, right? Yeah. Even people that may not be living a lifestyle that he would have approved of right but he's right. inviting them into something else um yeah so yeah so we we try to layer everything with with scripture with biblical narratives especially around jesus how he engages 
but then we try to move that into practical outcomes and say like, okay, different context, but you know, how do we, how do we actually make this real? And, yeah. and that's where we try to have them have our participants really reflect on connecting that text, right. To, to current context, right. Ancient right, text right. To current context. So there's a lot of that involved as well. That's great, man. I mean, I love the biblical basis of it and I, I'm sure yeah. you pull in, um, you know, leadership theory as well. You and yeah, I, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, we've talked a lot about uh, in the past. We talked about Ronald Heifetz um, yep. and his work. Um, yeah. uh, what is it? Leadership above the line? Is that right? No. Yeah, um, one leadership, is leadership on the leadership line or leading above the line, and then you've got leadership. the um, the 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 leadership. Oh my gosh! See now I got Kuzin Posner in my head. Leadership challenge. I know, one right? Linsky <laughs> is his follow up leader. That might be leadership on the line. Is it or is that the first one? Leadership got- without the answers was his first one. Yeah, there you go. And then leadership and, on the line with with Marty Linsky, yeah, which was the second one. And yep. you know, I've I've used that um, for the longest time in leadership. I mean, I still do yep. a fair amount of consulting, and so you know, consulting you're usually going in, um, and it's pretty analytic. Like you're looking at the data and you're trying to figure out, okay, um, you know, what's really wrong here. But at the end of the day, it's sort of like an itinerant leadership con- consultation every time. Because right. most of the time, what you're really trying to do is help people understand what's actually wrong, not right. where they're feeling it, but what's actually right. wrong. And so right. um, it, for all of you out there who are listening to this and you haven't read Ronald Heifetz, number one, I'd say go grab a book. Um, his Absolutely. books are great. They're really readable. Um, yep. But essentially what he argues, and Craig, you can, you can correct this or, or add to it if I get it wrong. Um, essentially what he argues is that leaders, their primary job is to help their the people they're leading uh agree on a problem like see the problem themselves and then start moving towards solving it as opposed to defining the problem for the people and then trying to drive them to to solve the problem they've defined is that a fair summary yeah i I think that's a heart of it i think what i would add to that is that um and this i i still use his material with my leadership class at at moody as well is that yeah is, is that as as that task defining the problem is for Heifetz is his paradigm right is is this right. a technical problem or is this an adaptive challenge great and, and it's yeah. helping like you said helping the people come to see it now as a leader I may already see it and it's identified but it's not going to be helpful for me to just kind of say here's the problem let's <laughs> fix it come on right because most people they don't see it right they right. don't they don't it's kind of like everything seems fine. What do you mean there's an adaptive job? We need to change. No, no, we're we're excited about where we are, right? Um, and so so helping people see, you know, is this a really a technical problem where we just sort of make a little shift and, and do some things and fix it? Or is this, no, no, we actually need to change, uh, take on new values, new practices, become somebody different, right? So I think that's like the heart of it, kind of along the lines of with what you're saying. And when you're when you're thinking about, you know, when you told your story, you talked about these transformative experiences, yeah. you know, and I, I sort of in my head, just knowing you, I kind of connect that to adaptive challenge. Yeah. Right. It, it's like th- those are those moments where you really have to do the renovation. Yeah. <laughs> right. There, there's yeah. no more uh, duct tape in the walls together. There's no more. You know, I can't put right. any more caulk on that um, to yeah. hold it together. Like we actually now have to do the renovation. So here we go. Is yeah. is that a fair, um, you know, kind of bringing of those together? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I, there's, there's, a, I can never remember the name of this book, but there's another book by two authors called Keegan and Leahy that okay. I think it's called Immunity to Change. And oh, okay. And their book is really taking Heifetz's model 
and applying it to individuals, right? And yeah. so as they apply this to individuals, that's where they come up with uh, this sort of paradigm for coaching. And even you can take it organizationally, but they use this language of, you know, what are your competing commitments, right? And and yeah. what they're getting at is not, oh, I don't have enough time or this or that, or I'm busy with kids. It's no, no. What are the internal things that are actually preventing you from the desired outcome that you want. So I, I want to be this, right? I want to be more gracious and loving. But every time I try to be more gracious and loving, I fly off the handle and like, you know, come at you with an uppercut, right? Like I just I lose <laughs> right, it. right. Right. And and so what they're what they're basically then saying is, well, here's here's who I want to be. Here's my actual reality. There's something causing, and they they frame that as a competing commitment, right? It, it's like yeah. there's something in me. So if I think of biblically, I say the rich young ruler who comes to Jesus, right? The rich young man, he comes, yeah. and our instinct is just to sort of focus on the money. Oh, he didn't want to give up his money, right? And what right. what Keegan Alehi would say is, no, no, actually, it's deeper. What is it that money is providing this young guy, right? What is right. he actually committed to? Is it security? Is it status? Is it Jewish cosmology, hey, like if I'm the wealthier blessed by God, the poor are cursed by God. If I give all this money away, am I right. right? Like, what is he coming up against that he just leaves and says, I can't do that? It's too much. Right. And yeah. that's the frame because what they're getting at with those competing commitments is these are what are preventing you from changing, right? From adapting. And that's yeah. what you need to address, right? Which is actually tied in their next level of faulty assumptions, right? I've I've got a faulty assumption about God in that case, about life, about money and finances, whatever it is that I have to address, right? So I think yeah. they use Heifetz's paradigm and I love it the way they do that yeah. because you're diving now into the adaptive, how do I need to actually adapt, let go of something, let's have something transformed the way I'm even viewing the world or the situation to become who God is inviting me to be. Well, it's really interesting. I mean, you bring up that rich young ruler passage. I actually just wrote a piece on it. And, um, you know, the narrative before it is uh, the little children coming to Jesus. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so um, kind of the way I see it, it's like, yeah, the rich young ruler, he's not, it's not about the money. Right. It's about, a you know, sort of a lack of vulnerability. Like mm-hmm. this money is something that he has that is giving him, that's allowing him to thrive in life. It's, a, it's allowing him to survive. It's allowing him to, yeah. you know, there is that something underlying it, it didn't have to be wealth. It could have been almost anything, yep. right? Um, anything that he is unwilling to give up and to make himself so vulnerable that now accepting Jesus becomes the right move, right? right. That kind of idea. And and so when Jesus is saying, no, the, the kingdom of God belongs to such as these, and he's referring to the children, I think what he's saying is they're they're coming with nothing. They're completely dependent. It's easy to shove them off. I mean, the disciples are already kind of kicking them like, no, don't bring these urchins over here. Like, get rid of these children, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. And and then the rich young rulers, the, the like perfect juxtaposition of them because he's got everything. Yeah, yeah right. Good. Yeah, um, like and so, yeah, I mean, just even thinking through that narrative, man, I you could come up with so much stuff out of the Gospels that would be just fantastic for leaders. Um, Absolutely. And, and really, those adaptive challenges of, you know, what does it really look like? There's a great book. I don't know if you ever read it. Um, I think it's L.A. Paul uh, wrote a book I called the, that one. It's uh, the transformative experience. And okay. uh, basically, the, um, so she used this idea in the book. She's like, um, let's say you have uh, friends who are vampires. Right. Cool. And, and you're considering being a vampire okay, and they're explaining yeah. it to you. They're telling you how great it is. Like, yeah. oh, man, it's fantastic. Love it. You know, it would never mm-hmm. go back. 
And her point is like some experiences you're never really going to understand until you actually just do it. Right. The transformation actually has to take place. Like they can explain it to you as much as you want, but until you actually become a vampire, you're not going to know whether it was a good decision for you Mm -hmm. or not. And like, you're not going to know whether you like that, whether it's better, whether it's worse, you know, how it's better or worse, those kind of things. Yep. And I I just think so much of our Christian life is like that. It's like, we don't really fully grasp what it, what it is to follow Jesus in this moment, you know, or in this way until we just actually do it. Yeah, absolutely. So I think this is one of the, the key things that most of us we we don't think about because as Christians, a lot of times, especially if you if we come out of a Bible church kind of tradition or a church yeah. that's that's much more inclined towards love God with all your mind, right? Than than the rest yeah. of that, you know, heart soul, you know, <laughs> strength. Yep, yep. If we come out of that tradition, we the conversations I tend to have with people is if if I just get you to believe the right things, right, the right doctrine, the right views about God, et cetera, then, then everything else will follow and you're going to be changed. And I'm like, you know, yeah. I'd love to agree with you. The problem is I've seen too many examples and even in my own life yeah. where it doesn't happen, right? Like, here's the thing. You go back in church history lots of god-fearing godly people in the church in america in the early to mid 1800s 100 percent. yep yet a bunch of those denominations split because so many people were convinced that slavery was biblical right and others were convinced that this is absolutely not it wasn't right they all believed the same core doctrines in scripture that's right right trinity Jesus comes to set us free, save us, and right. like this. But the practice, right, that orthopraxy, it didn't translate into yeah. loving their neighbors the same way, right? Yeah. Like this is how we love our right. neighbors. This is how we love our neighbor, and it's and and it's not even right. computing. But we believe the same things, yeah, right. Or or the person who knows. I mean, more relevant now, adultery is a sin. Yet, right. how many Christian husbands or wives? actually yeah. commit adultery right well it's it's not as simple as knowing right i mean knowing right. is great that's foundational right we we do need to know but yeah. if you're not able to translate that to wisdom right and that's i think why paul says knowledge does what just puffs up and makes arrogant right yeah. but yeah but the skill of living takes takes that and puts it into practice because of some volitional commitment and will and other things that are being invited and the only way i can sometimes do that is through experience of doing right like what changed my view on the poor actually was yeah when we lost our funding as in, in our ministry yeah. and i suddenly realized we have nothing i'm trying to I'm do whatever i can i've got to borrow money from my mom right to to get yeah. a 40 year old man and i'm sitting there going oh my gosh i'm calling my mother to borrow money because i can't i couldn't get a job and i've got right. Two master's degrees. I'm in a doctoral program, right? I've been doing whatever, and I can't get hired. I couldn't get hired to walk the floor at Target. I mean, I was applying for everything, yeah. right? And I'm yeah. sitting here as I'm experiencing this, and and we are struggling. And I realized for the first time, maybe everybody who's poor isn't there because they're lazy. Because right. I'm not lazy, right? I'm, right. I'm working really hard here, right? And it was the experience of losing all of that, all of our funding, we, I've got a paycheck coming in one, 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 uh, one, one, two week period for 73 cents. 
Yeah. Right. Literally, that's my deposit in my bank account. I'm looking at this going, what the heck am I going to do with that? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's the experience right now. I'm actually living it and I'm working hard. I'm doing everything I can to, to build more supporters, to applying for jobs. I can't get hired. Right. So, yeah. so for me, when you focus so much on learning about this and you leave out like this, right. The boom, right. put it into action. When you, when you don't give people those experiences, when you don't create other spaces for the heart, you know, for the soul, and for the yeah. kinesthetic experience, you're doing a disservice because you cannot learn unless you are that 10% who are just, oh, I got it. I got the idea and I can put it into practice, right? The, the 90% aren't like that. Yeah. And I- it goes without saying, but the Bible has changed so many lives. Take a second and think about it. If you didn't have access to a Bible or were even allowed to have one, this is a reality that many are facing. That's why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country, and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my book, Christian Resistance. Simply text THINKING to 71326 to help today. That's T-H-I-N-K-I-N-G. Or visit give.crew.org backslash thinking. Again, that's give.cru.org backslash thinking. Message and data rates may apply. Available to U.S. addresses only. You know, I would even say, you know, I think over the course of my career, one of the things my wife has always said to me, and she's like, you know, what you're good at is learning what to do and then doing it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I'm good at putting things into practice. But what I would when I look at it, I say, no, because there's way more that I know that I'm actually putting into practice. Right. Like it's almost impossible, I think, for yeah. us to know less than we're actually putting into practice. <laughs> right. It's even impossible right. just to get it even. Right. I think we're yeah. always going to know more than we're doing. And yeah, that's just absolutely. part of it. I mean, it's it um, I had a very similar experience to you. And I think this was definitely eye opening for me. I mean, I couldn't get a gig after I was done with two masters and, you know, most of my doctoral work, yeah. right? Churches wouldn't touch me like too much education, too much this, too much that, yeah. you know, um, I couldn't get a part time ministry job. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just sitting there like, this is unbelievable. Like, yeah. all of a sudden, you know, you think you're positioning yourself to do something and do something fairly well. And then all of a sudden you can't, like you said, I can't get a door or I can't get a job walking the the Kmart floor. Like you (laughs) just could not get a job. And it is very humbling. I think in that time, it, it reminded me that, you know, number one, all these things that we think we do in order to sort of secure ourselves education, right? Mm -hmm. My, my dad had a high school diploma. My mom had a bachelor's, you know, and there were real lean times growing up. And so education was one of those things where it's like, no, just keep going with education. If you're educated, you always have an option, right? You know, that kind of stuff. And I'm like, I'm sitting there without a job going, well, that wasn't exactly true. Now, was it, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. and, but I think those were good things for me to go through. Absolutely. They really did teach me more about what was going on than anything else. And I can remember Absolutely. Kim and I sort of reflecting on it and going, like we're so grateful that we have something of a safety net. Yeah. Right. Cause if we didn't have parents, you know, around, 
right? Like we'd be in trouble right now. We'd be sure. either going into heavy debt. We'd be, you know, doing this, doing that. Like yep. we knew what our options were and we were really grateful that our parents were willing to help just a little bit Yep. and, and kind of get us through the rough patch. Because I think that's, in my experience, what happens with a lot of people, they start to get into that rough patch, no safety net. And exactly. you just start digging a pretty deep hole and it's hard to get out of it, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yep. Yeah. I don't know how we teach people that. Like, I don't know, you know, outside of lived experience, right? Like, well, and this is the thing, right? This is why I think like you, just that, that phrase you use, right? That's why I think mentoring is so important, right? Yeah. Uh, when it comes to developing leaders, because the lived experience that a mentor has and is bringing into you. Now, you may not be ready to hear it, but at least... If that seed is planted, uh, right. when the inevitable experience you're going to have comes, that seed is there and you can kind of be like, man, Craig told me that three years ago, right? Yeah. And, and yeah. Maybe I could reach back out to Craig because, oh my gosh, and and now we're going to come back, right? But <laughs> but but it is, I, I just think, like, for example, when we had that experience, this was the most face stretching time, disillusioning time. I mean, I remember times where I was in the garage in my car, punching the roof of my car with everything I had sitting in the garage for an hour, right before I'd come in the door, because I was so angry with God feeling like he just let us down this primrose path to destruction. He lied to me, God, what are you doing? Right? Just total tantrum. Yeah. Right? And I'm just going off on God. And but it was through that experience where we had some some of the most incredible faith building experiences. I, there was one time where our first ever supporter, right, had passed away from cancer. And she left us without us knowing almost $8,000 in her will because she loved us and believed what we were doing. And it just showed up in the account, in our ministry account one day, right? And I looked <laughs> and I was like, oh, right? And it's sitting there going, oh my gosh, right? And I'm screaming. And my wife looks at me like I'm crazy, right? Yeah. Another time, a, a group FCA, um, you know, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, yeah, I used yeah. to be Athletes in Action when I was in the CFL, they invited me to come up and speak on Vancouver Island. And I'm like, well, why not? Like, I I didn't ask for any money. I never right. did in those days, but I just say I knew they'd give me an honorarium. And I'm like, hey, if it's two or 300, it's two or 300 more than we have right now. Right. So they, yeah, yeah. they flew me up. I get there. And they asked me to share my testimony and they wanted to hear maybe about like overcoming adversity and, and this. I said, well, and that's easy, right? We're, yeah. we're in the now. So I'll just tell you my story. And I tell them the story and, and I'm, and I don't lie, like no motives in my mind at all, other than I want to give you this story and I want to show you, share how God has been working in me, struggling, yeah. et cetera. Well, they were going to give me, I think $300. They, they took a free will offering uh, for about $1,100 on the spot, right? With that's without awesome, me, man. the guy was moved to do it. I get to check out of, I go to check out of the hotel the next morning. I get, there's an envelope, a package left for me. Right. And it's like, Oh, we got a package for you, Mr. Hendrickson. You know, before you check out, I'm like, who the heck knows I'm in Victoria. Right. <laughs> right. right. I open this thing up. I, I, I pull it out and there's a $10,000 check written from the man who drove me from the airport to the wow. event. He's just, and I'm just sharing with, him. he's just asking, I'm just, we're just talking. Right. I'm not asking him for money. We're just talking. Right. He's like, yeah. man, well, hang in there. He's, and he was an investment banker, right? And and I'm sitting there going, okay, cool. So we do our thing, and I get this ten thousand. I call my, I'm so you can imagine, I'm screaming in the hotel lobby, right? Right, <laughs> top of my lungs, and people look at me like I'm nuts. I call my wife. I go thinking I'm getting two or three hundred dollars. I'm coming home with over eleven thousand dollars, which awesome. for us right now is eleven thousand more than we have, right? Right. And so 
you know, without those, and there's more, but like these, I had three or four of these experiences because of where yeah. God had allowed us to get in this experience where I now in, experience this incredible, not just generosity, but interdependency on others yeah. that I'd actually been praying for for years, but with a stubborn kind of hard-headed mm-hmm. goal right. setting achiever like me, like, you know, you don't really know what you're asking for. Right. Yeah. And so, <laughs> It was in that experience that God actually shaped me and then prepared me for my next phase of ministry when I was going to go into more of a back into an urban kind of centered church and more of a transition neighborhood and and, and ministering to people that were on the whole spectrum of, I have nothing, I'm on food stamps to, yeah, I'm pretty well off, right? No, no right. crazy wealth, but, but it gave me a whole new sense of compassion and understanding, right? Of yeah. the situation. I wouldn't have had that if I just went in right from my ministry with CRM to that church. It was... That yeah. two-year journey of struggling and disappointment and disillusionment that actually did the deep character formation in me that made me a better leader, right? It, it actually helped me to, it created empathy for others in me that I never had because I was just a football player, right? I was just like, suck it up, yeah. Bo Peep. You know I mean? Like, <laughs> what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> that was my attitude, right? Like, you just, you're not totally you're tougher. It. You're not strong enough, right? And so here's yeah. what I'm realizing. Well, okay, maybe it's not about that. Maybe maybe there's something to this kind of holistic sort of the emotional side. Oh, okay, I guess I have one too, right? Um, right. So, yeah, dude. I, so, I mean, I think one of those things that I I sit back and hate to admit now that I'm 45, yeah. right, is that wisdom actually does come with age. I, but I, I would say I would amend it and say it's not age so much. I think it really is experience. Absolutely. I mean, you have to live long enough that life gets really, really hard. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I see Jesus doing uh, with the disciples, particularly, you know, when he sends them out Mm -hmm. uh, early on and he's like, hey, listen, don't take much with you. You know, Mm -hmm. don't don't depend on the people who kick you out of the city, like only depend on the people who welcome you in and those kind of things. Mm he's trying to give them an experience of dependency. I think like mm-hmm. he's trying to teach them just to go out almost like sort of manna in the desert vibe. Right. When he's, yeah. when he's, you know, he's leading Israel through the desert and God says, Oh, I did that. So you'd learn that you don't live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And now you didn't quite figure it out, but you know, some of you maybe did others of you didn't, yeah. but I mean, I think Jesus is really trying to give his disciples that experience of look, if you just do it this way, it'll work. It's not going right. to be fun or comfortable or, yep. you know, like he's not really trying to sell it. He's not glitzing right. it up, but it'll work. See, um, and here's a piece I love about that story, James, right? Like the thing that we don't notice often, right? Is they then come back. Remember, what do they do? They're like, Jesus, it was incredible, right? Like, oh my gosh, miracles. And right, like all this stuff's happening, right? Right, right. <laughs> and, and and here's the thing, right? It's, it's, it's awesome because Jesus first, what he what he does, what does he do first? He says, my paraphrase, awesome, right? That's yeah. incredible. Way <laughs> yeah. to go, right? But then he shifts and he, yeah, and then he kind of goes, but hey now, right? He says, don't celebrate in this. Rejoice that your names are written, you know, in the book of life, yeah. right? It just like slow your roll. But then he transitions back out of that again. He kind of corrects them, right? So he's, yeah. he's doing this debrief, right, with these leaders in a sense with the language right. we would use, where it's like, I'm going to yeah. celebrate your successes. I'm going to correct you a little bit. 
and now I'm going to pray and bless you. And he kind of, you know, thank you, Father in heaven for for, for this yeah. and, and all these things, right? And yeah. so he does this debriefing experience. And so so me kind of coming back here a little bit to the beginning of our conversation, this to me is why a program like Arrow is so important for leaders, right? Yeah. Because what you do is that, like you're doing all this stuff. Right. But in, in our context of just the tyranny the urgent and there's always something next and i i don't take time for what heifetz calls like get on the balcony right get on the balcony right just view it and, and see like what's going on here is, yeah. is we don't have time to do that and so arrow what we do is we say like let's actually get you over here on the balcony okay let's just take yeah. a look at what's going on in your life and your ministry and just all of the different things. So you can actually see how these things are working. Cause with his illustration, it's that you know, right? you on the dance floor, you can see your partner and a few people around you. But when you get on the balcony, now I can see the whole floor and the band right. and everything going on. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, arrow and ministries like us, well, what we do, it really provides that balcony experience where you can actually now get an accurate picture of what the heck is going on? Why am I burned out? Why am I frustrated? Why am I yeah. ineffective? Why why am I in conflict all the time? Why, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. And now I can see it and I say, now you can actually deal with it and address it, right? You, you've got right. an adaptive challenge or a technical problem or whatever it is, right? You've got a right. problem here. Yeah. Now we can deal with it and we're going to walk with you through that to address it so that you can yeah. actually become more effective, right? Yeah. And learn how to lead like Jesus led, right? Like think of when Jesus, what does he do? Spends all night healing people at Peter's mother-in-law's house at the beginning of Mark, right? Yeah. And then it says he steals away, he goes and prays by himself in the morning. All the leaders then come look for or his disciples, they all come look, Jesus, where are you? Everybody's looking for you, right? And, and you know, of course, his answer is like, great, let's go back and do ministry, right? No, right. not what he does. He says, okay, well, let's go somewhere else then, right? This, right. is, this is why I've come, right? <laughs> Jesus Jesus steals away. He spends that time he needs with his father away from people pressing on him, all the needs, everything going on. He can yeah. now gain clarity, perspective, and also cultivate the courage to say good no's in service to his higher yes is kind of yeah. how I picked yeah. that up somewhere. I don't even remember who I got it from, but that's, right, you, right. you know what I'm saying? Like it's, he, he can yeah. say, no, these are good ministry opportunities, but I'm yeah. not doing it because- my mission is to actually preach the gospel in all these towns. So yeah. we're going to go do that. Right. And so, so I think that's a great model of sort of Hyphus's life on the balcony, right? It's that Jesus stealing away hours with his father, trying to like, all right, God, right. All right. All right. Father. Right. What? Yeah. What do you have for me? Right. And it's, it's clarity, it's perspective, it's courage. It's yeah. refining a sense of mission. Let's go. Yeah, I love it. I mean, uh, I think, you know, we, you and I have talked about Arrow over the years. And so I've always kind of been uh, a, a distant fan. I've never actually had the opportunity to do it. But uh, I always feel like helping Christians develop as better leaders is a great opportunity for anybody. And Absolutely. so where can folks find more information about Arrow? Like, where would they go to, you know, maybe sign up or explore it a little bit? Like, what are we yeah. looking at? Yep, uh, real easy. So, so our name is Arrow, like a like a bow and arrow, right? Uh, so, Arrow yep. Leadership. You go to www.arrowleadership.org. You go to arrowleadership.org. Uh, one, there's a free assessment on there. You get a little sort of assessment of of your leadership. Kind of, nice. That's for free. Um, but then it has all the information of our programs. We have two core programs. One we call 
our emerging class or emerging stream, which targets leaders between the ages of 25 and 40, right? Okay. Uh, there is a, it's a specific journey together for what we call emerging leaders who are then going to have, as they go through Arrow, another 20, 30, 40 years of ministry impact. Then we have another core program that we call the executive stream. And that's really not age-based, it's more role-based. And so if you're okay. a leader in an executive kind of a role in a Christian organization of some kind, um, there's no age limits on that. It, they're similar, the structure is similar, but the content's a little different because we're, we're sure. gearing the curriculum a little more to executive leadership issues. But both of them are still framed around lead more by, lead more like, lead more to for the different contexts that you're in. So you can get the information for that. If you're interested, there's forms on there you can fill out and submit. And, and our director, our VP of engagement will just reach out to you and, and try to set up an appointment. So absolutely, if, if you're out there and you're really looking to say, I, I want to take my leadership to the next level, or maybe you're at, I'm really swimming right now and I'm <laughs> feeling lost, or you're somewhere in between, uh, Arrow is a program that can help you. And so I, I'd, I'd encourage you check it out. It's been it's been around for over 30 years for a reason. And we've been doing what we've been doing for that long because it works. So, yeah, and I would just encourage people, you know, um, it, leadership coaching really did change me a lot. It changed the way I led. It changed the way I thought about organizations. And um, even though I'm not in a huge organization right now, um, I still draw on those on that training and that executive training. And, um, just, I think even the way it, you know, for me, it was a good entree. I'll say it like this. If you're sitting there and you're thinking, uh, why would I do leadership? What I would say is if you have any inclination toward leadership, a program like this with arrow, that's biblically based and transformative won't just affect your work life. It's going to affect your whole life. And Absolutely. so, um, Absolutely. I've found that to be, I think the most significant thing that came out of my executive leadership. I mean, yeah, professional life's important, right? But just holistically, I was just a better husband, a better father, a better yeah. everything, right? <laughs> a better churchgoer. Like I was just <laughs> better um, yeah. because it gave me so much of a different perspective. And so, um, man, thanks for doing what you do. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to you in the new role, January yeah, 2nd, starting up with Arrow <laughs> Leadership. We'll have all the information in the show notes. So um, folks, but go to arrowleadership.org if you're interested. And, uh, and Craig, thanks for being on, man. I really appreciate it. And, uh, love yeah. sitting around talking leadership and Bible. It's, uh, does it get better than that? I don't think it does. <laughs> hey, my pleasure. James, anytime, you know, you know, I, I love to talk. And love to talk. <laughs> <laughs> I got guests coming everywhere in here. As you can see, I got my dog walking in and out. I got my wife poking in. It was like, cool, man. The haunted door. Everybody wants to talk I about leadership. See? Yeah, that's right. And my wife. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Well, thanks a lot. And thanks everybody for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode of Thinking Christian. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the Thinking Christian Podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Life Audio. Finding uplifting news in today's headlines is often like searching for a needle in a haystack. At the Story Behind podcast, we believe in the power of finding heartwarming tales and are happy to share empowering stories with you every week. Get inspired by the note a waitress received from a patron dining alone. And even hear about how one VIP passenger made a hardworking pilot get emotional before his flight. To start listening to the Story Behind podcast, visit lifeaudio.com.